back to the free associates. This is radio's first fully automated talk show. By replacing the human host we are able to bring you content cheaper and free of human error and opinion. Stay tuned for we will soon be welcoming the Google man to our conversation. Clarity comes with efficiency. Efficiency comes with robots. This is W. M. U. A. Amherst. Human Free Radio. And we are back. Not yet, but soon. But soon this will happen. <laughs> Waylon just looks confused. Because <laughs> it sounds pretty human. Yeah, it's a good... That wasn't a script? <laughs> that, was, that was just you typing something into a bot? No, I basically... I had nothing to do with that. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Is this thing going to kill me in my sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, now, I'm going to show you guys a photo. Not a photo, a drawing. <laughs> and you have to free associate on this drawing. Okay? okay. You can just throw some words out. Right. You know, because it's the second half of the second half. And here is your drawing free associate at will. Ooh, I see a Ferris wheel. Yep. No, that's not free associating. <laughs> um, Job of the Hut in the bottom right corner. Uh, uh, a plane in a helicopter. This is description, over. not free association. Oh, <laughs> carnivals, uh, Santa Cruz. Ooh, Santa mm. Cruz. I love Santa Cruz. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for some reason, that big Ferris wheel in uh, in London is getting attacked by, I don't okay. know, the United States. Mm. Okay. Brexit did not work. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Good. And Thank Potato you. Man is pretty. Uh, Happy with that, and, and folks, both of those, right. both of those uh, images. Can I take this? Yeah. Both of those images will be on our website, so <laughs> uh, barbarianinthevalley.com, and that's where our readings are, and that's where everything is. That everything exists on that website, both the Barbarian in the Valley and Free Associates, and we're also podcast all over the place. And particularly, I want to say hello to my French friends, and uh, also we're going to open up the phones in the second half of the hour. So 413-545-3691 is the number. Even if you're a robot, you can call in. 413-545-3691. 413-545-3691 is the phone number. And it, this has, uh, the incentive might be if you, Waylon, is, the phone is closest to Waylon. The incentive for you is you get to talk to Waylon. You got Waylon. the Waylon hotline over here. The Waylon hotline. The second incentive is it pulls Waylon out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, at least temporarily. And like Laura, you could become a free associate star because Laura was mm-hmm. just calling in and then all of a sudden, uh, three weeks later, she's in the show. I think a that we need the Laura bump. We need to go on the, the show and... I mean, Laura could be a robot. We, we don't know this. We don't know that. Very sophisticated, yeah. really. I mean, if you guys watch Westworld... <laughs> oh, I love... It's my favorite show. Yeah. yeah I, couldn't, I couldn't watch it after a while. It was, too, it was like, too disturbing to have me. Have you seen the original, though? I have. The movie? Well, yeah, I was, I was actually alive for that. <laughs> like, I remember... And you I were remember, in it, actually. I wasn't yeah. in it. I wasn't in it. But I remember it, and it was, it was definitely a, a trippy... I haven't watched mm. it in a long time. But that, of course, I actually think, you know, I just brought that up randomly, but I, that goes to my point. I feel like that the show, what the show does really well is it shows how that, what should be a really fun, ex- consequence-free experience has a lot of consequences, <laughs> right? And should I, be consequence-free, isn't it? Well, you're dealing with robots, yeah. you know what I mean? So if you shoot a robot, but what it does is mm. it changes the people. Yeah. Who are shooting the robots or doing whatever they're doing. Right. That is, uh, w- there is nothing, there's no such thing as consequence free. If you're doing an activity and it's violent, 
and it's no one gets hurt you're still building the violence inside of you or whatever it is and this is an argument that our our intelligence is becoming artificial is part of the problem so as a, as a viewer like a, at like very very avid viewer of Westworld it also grapples with the idea of what artificial intelligence is. Yeah. So at mm-hmm. what point, if artificial intelligence understands itself as artificial intelligence, at what point is that its own brand of sentient being? Sure. Uh, you know the the whole Blade Runner it's, thing. You know, it's, it's not Tears human existence, Data. but it is now conscious existence. Yeah. And it's super cool. Love that show. I think yeah. idea-wise, it's cool. I was just getting caught up in them, all these bodies being stacked on top of each other. That That's, were, it's supposed to be like that. Oh, I know. Because those are robots, right? No, I understand. You know? But it, it even wa- so that's meta because even watching it, I didn't like how it was shaping my viewing sense. Mm. To, you know, like even watching that happen, uh, I didn't. I just didn't like. It just made me feel bad and weird. So. You know, it's uh, and at the same time, I can acknowledge that it's like in many ways really masterful. You know, can you actually, Laura? Can you t- you brought a novel with you, and I have I never did. read this novel. Yeah, I brought the novel Player Piano, which is about an automated future dystopia. Yeah. Uh, it's by Kurt Vonnegut. Cool. It was actually his first novel, and yeah, it's about a world where basically there's a supercomputer that makes all the decisions, and the the main character in the book is an engineer, and the computer realizes there was a mistake in his education that he hmm. didn't pass. A swim test at Cornell and therefore he doesn't actually have any of his degrees and they fire him from his job huh. the computer makes this automated decision and, <laughs> um, and then that's, that's kind of that's awesome. kind of the setup of the book huh. um, and it's a good book and it's been a long time since I read it yeah, but yeah. I immediately thought of it in this in this topic of automation but I think we've been talking a lot about humans and technology but we haven't really been talking about the replacement of the work we need to do okay. to survive Agreed. by technology and I think that for me it's just like I still see, feel like that's so far off because the work work we do is more complicated than hmm. the technology that we have. You know, we're automating things like we have, you know, these driverless cars, which is really dangerous because the human bias in the design becomes hmm. magnified by that automation. Actually, this automation brings out our flaws, right? So like a lot of uh, human sensing technology doesn't see brown skin. Yeah. Um, and the consequences of that when it's a sink is that this person can't wash their hands. But what is the consequence when you have a car that's trying to detect people and decide not but to can't hit them, that, right? Can't that be resolved? Can it? I don't know. I mean, um, isn't like, that trial and error kind of We would need more diversity in the, the sure. um, engineering teams making those designs and decisions that we don't, we've, we've struggled to get sure. that kind of diversity. So, sure. in, But I think it's fixable, though. In I theory, think, yeah. I think, but I would love the, to what, see that fixed. To, to your point, it's it's fixable after we acknowledge what happened. The like, problem, exactly. So, so it's like this you, is a problem our society's been yeah, grappling with, like exactly. at, you know, equality and employment, and mm-hmm. you know, having equity and you know, design teams and you know, technology. Right now, those are sectors that are incredibly. Um, have a very narrow spectrum of people who actually work in those fields, you know, as the majority. It's interesting. Rob and Cody was on last week, and we were talking about this book called Range, and it deals with computers. And also, you know, it talks about chess, you know, because Mm. computers can beat the best chess player. Right. So then you change the game. But it also, Robin talked about how like Google will go to music departments and recruit there because the engineers, they can make things happen, but they don't necessarily have a broad vision of what's possible or what would mm. be good. Mm. So just based on like 
wanting to make the best kind of product, you want the most different amount of people involved as Absolutely. you do that. Yeah. You know, the engineers will engineer. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, if you ask them to do something, they can probably they'll make, make it happen. Something, but it will carry with it all of their ideas, right. you know, which is just an automated task, which then can't be corrected as easily. Right? Can't be corrected as easily and, and runs the risk of this kind of thing that's talking about in the novel. Right. right. Some bizarre rational decision that's made because of automation. Like long ingrained bias that right. can, you know, that's a whole, yeah, dystopic view because in that sense, you know, automation could be, you could automate computers the same way that society is somewhat structurally and automated with bias and, and privilege and all that stuff could easily be done. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I think that is being done, yeah. Yeah. So, but I still don't know, Laura, if that means it's far away. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. whether you think it's flawed or not, and, and I would agree with you, I see it coming kind of fast. I mean, self-driving cars are going to be here in 10 years, aren't they? I don't know. They're already here, but to Will what they degree? be prevalent? And, yeah. and to what degree are we go, going to allow, are we going to yield that control in society? I think that if you were to even say in 50 years, okay, federal government goes, okay, everybody, we've figured out this automated car thing. In 50 years, you won't be able to turn that steering wheel. We, like, it's all going to, people would be super upset. Well, they won't do that. What will happen is that you'll have self-driving cars and then 20 years in, they'll say, you got 10 more years to, like, play with the steering wheel and then we're going to take it away. And by that time, people are going to be okay with it. It's like the robot at Stop stop and Shop. I do think the robot's (laughs) just there to get you used to it. These people know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, the people who manufacture that robot, they understand all the issues we're talking about. And so they're just going to kind of slowly go in. The Kindle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When the Kindle came out, all all me and my writing friends were like, no, I don't ever read on a Kindle. Well, that's just not true because you do get used to it because it makes a lot of sense, actually. But but they, they also thought that small bookstores would all go out of business and it turns out people really like used bookstores and they're actually sure. doing really well right now. Yeah, because... So it the, hasn't because, displaced to the degree that we thought it would. Well, okay, but can I argue that the mm. small bookstores have thrived because the big bookstores have been killed by the internet, <laughs> right? And the, who the, buys the small but people still bookstore. want books, is the right. point. People but, still want books. Kindle didn't kill books. You well, know? They are, they're on the sidelines feasting off of... <laughs> the big I think Barnes it's positive. I think it's just we have sure. more now. We have both options, yeah. and both are useful for different reasons. Sure. My buddy John Riley owns Gabriel Books in Northampton. The thing that he said saved his business was the internet. And mm. I was like, how does that happen? I was like, because big bookstores died, but the small bookstores where he can go in and like find these like rare books and everything, mm. he has this huge market for that. Right. And it's like. You know, it's it's these weird kind of things, these consequences that we've never sure. actually thought about. But then you think that they would go the opposite way, right. like, and it, it just. By the way, one, one critique in the article is he misuses Smith's invisible hand. Mm. He uses uh, the invisible hand. He talks about it being something that is like the good thing that kind of moderates things. But Smith did not mean the invisible. He's talking about unintended consequences. You know, we think of the invisible hand as the thing that keeps our capitalism together. But actually, Smith was like, there's all kinds of things that's going to happen that we can't control. They could be bad or they could be good. Mm. This is a good example of like, yeah, it's good. It's good this time. Maybe five years from now, all the small bookstores will be closed too. I I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I hope not. You know, but like we're in such a large system now. And it's so hard to know what's gonna, what it's going right. to do. Yeah. The whole thing feels like a giant machine that right. we're in that dwarfs any of our opinions or anything that we want to do. Can I paint a picture for you guys? Mm-hmm. Let's 
just for the sake of conversation, say this is going to happen. Okay. Like in 15 years. And by the way, it doesn't have to happen across the board. There still will be work. There still be people making creative choices and, and leading and whatever you want to do. But millions of jobs are going to get washed out in, in the process. Not going to be everybody. But I actually think the 2016 election goes to this a little bit, that it's outsourcing and automation. I don't know which it is more. It kind of left a really ravaged economic landscape in a lot of parts of the country and a lot of rage built up there and was unfortunately channeled in the wrong direction. And I also think that Sanders taps into a lot of that rage too, that people are leaving college or getting graduate degrees and not being able to find work. There's something wrong here. Now, if I say to you in 15 years, automation will steal another 20% of the workforce, then what do we do? Because that's all it would have to take, 20%, for it to be a massively disruptive event, right? Mm. 20%, because Mm. that means unemployment would be 25%, which is that's revolutionary. That's a revolutionary number. You look at the revolutions, they happen when an unemployment goes above 16, 17%. Oh, okay. Two, oh yeah. So automation could bring the revolution? It totally could. That could but it can't be cool. That would be cool if it's your revolution. <laughs> but I don't know that we have the same revolution. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. And there's like a hundred other revolutions out there waiting to happen, which we both might not a million, like. Maybe even. Well, I mean, the argument here is, is that Trump represents a revolt of a kind from a certain group of people. Now, we may not be happy about that revolt. Right. I'm just saying that if there's 20% more unemployment in 20 years, how are we going to how do we deal with people who aren't working anymore? Commodifying personal experience. That's it. And what I mean by that is like you ever open up a it's like Groupon or Airbnb is doing it now, you have tours that you can sell that you're doing kind of gig economy stuff, mm-hmm. but you're 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 Going, uh, I'm I'm sharpening my <laughs> knives over here. And Laura, <laughs> Laura, I'm looking my at you. My eyes are looking sharp. Also. You, because he who's going to pay for that? He is Caesar people, on the Senate people floor. People pay for that all the time. What personal? You were a tour guide. So Do you, you think, think like a, tour a gig guide? economy is going to replace twenty percent of the workforce? Yeah. Well, first off, I it, mean, yeah, it's not the twenty percent that give tours of Newport. So first off, so. <laughs> Don't get stuck on gig economy okay, okay. here because gig economy is an entirely d- new economic system, which actually is it has pros and cons. People can work at their own pace, but they're also not getting health benefits and everything like that. But we can get into that later. But it's what can humans do that automation can't? It's provide meaningful human to human experiences. And that becomes, for good or bad, commodified. So. I so a tour guide, right? Do you want to go to a museum and have a, a robot talk to you and tell you about a painting that doesn't have any sentient knowledge or anything and was scripted, <laughs> or do you want <laughs> Norm Cody no. to come no. around and crack jokes and show you around? Okay, the two, city. two things quickly. When I left my job as a tour guide, they were already automating the buses which was made perfect sense for the tour bus company mm. because, you know, you know how much money you can save automating those buses? And once all the buses are automated, then that's the only choice you have. So, like, they're not going to pay my salary plus my health benefits, plus my retirement, plus deal with the Transit Workers Union over an automated tour. Well, that's because the experience wasn't the, the, for that audience then. That's what I would argue. Yes, and I would argue that you're in the Pilates fallacy now. No, this what are you very talking about? <laughs> How? I just, who are the people who are going to have the money to pay for all these experiences? I'm not convinced. I you have a friend. I have a friend who's like trying to start a business. I mean, I use the term friend 
loosely, but I know somebody who's trying to start a business giving like hiking experiences. And I'm like, people who want to go hiking can take themselves hiking. Like they That's, don't need but, you. But then they're not selling the like, real, the, the true experience of mm. what they're trying to do. Like then I'm that person not is there's not. there's a market for that. So what do you, why do you go to a restaurant? You can you can order you can have all that to, you can have all that to, you can have all that food at home. This is simple. I could, but I'm lazy. Yeah. I didn't go no, no, no. shopping yet. It's way more work to yeah. Get but all why the don't food. why don't you have that delivered? Why don't I have it delivered? Why do you go uh, out? I don't want to pay more to have it delivered. <laughs> I actually don't like going out so, to restaurants anymore. <laughs> when I, I mean, was, a lot okay. of people do so pay now, to have it delivered. So no, like, there's like 20 apps over here, okay? <laughs> like the general populace over here. Wayland's like, on the ropes. Uh, I don't know. I just you know, I didn't have anything in my fridge. Listen. No, no, no. It comes down to the meaning Come of on, why though. we have inter- like, we're going to commodify relationships in, in human experience interaction. People do there's not people. go to restaurants for the human interaction. Well, I would do. Maybe in some Exactly Wait, why you go but I think like that's not, a small percentage. Not of exactly why you go Not with. <laughs> this is good. This is perfect. I love this because I actually think this could get to something. People go to restaurants with the interaction with the other patrons, in my opinion. Yeah. Not with the waiter or waitress. Maybe with the no, bartender. No, 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 no. That's yeah. But okay. that's that's it. You're you're paying to be out and about and have an experience with another person. And that's what I'm saying. It's mm-hmm. not the waiter, but you could easily shift that into, say, it was a uh, murder mystery dinner. No, but it's, it's not about the experience. <laughs> okay? It's honestly about the food because we all need to eat three I'm times a day. Okay. I'm talking 20 about... I'm talking about... 20 years in the future, I am talking everybody's about... going to murder mystery dinners. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the explosion of murder mystery dinners like killing this gas. 25 million people. Murder mystery dinners. 25 to 15 million million people unemployed and you're talking about murder mystery <laughs> it was plum in how the many, bathroom how many millions of people are going to be giving hiking tours <laughs> because we're dealing with big numbers here okay and I, I and okay and so can I bounce back to Laura for a second <laughs> so Laura you were talking about before the show that this is the exact there's a kind of frozen mindset here in the article where it's like okay, we'll have an incubator and all these people from Youngstown are going to come up with companies and they're going to make money. The other way to go about this is change the mindset on where we draw our meaning. Right, right. Well, I mean, I do agree that you know, the article gets into like, oh, people need to be productive to feel like healthy and good. And I think that we could reframe what it means to be productive, like building community spaces, which is what he's getting into, but then taking it into the realm of like that then spur businesses, which you don't have to do. You could just build community spaces that help people connect, which is something that people are in, you're right, in dire need of, but they don't want to use it. They don't want to connect via commodity because that's not, what kind of connection is that? You know, I think we want to, they want to, but it's got to be commodified. Why? That's, that difference because we commodify everything we're in a capitalist society where right, that's that's the elephant in the room is that like the fear of automation you know? is a displacement and the real problem is that we have like an economic system that doesn't acknowledge that we're all in this together and as human beings we have a climactic situation that is does not favor consumer capitalism or capitalism at all right like if if global warming is even half true everything is going to have to change. And all the things, the orthodoxy that we take for granted, like, well, we're in a capitalist society, oh, we commodify stuff, will have to change. It will either change because, as we've talked about, dolphins are swimming up the Connecticut and the sky is purple, or because we get just a couple of years ahead of it, please, and, and start saying, like, okay, well, what would the future look like? Can we do this a little differently? And, Waylon, I see, I see your sad eyes. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the <laughs> But you, you are in some ways half and half because you are such a community person. You know, you're such a believer in community, actually. There's part of you that's a believer in the marketplace and commodity. And oh, this I'm is, capitalist. I, well, I but you're Catholic, too. A well-regulated capitalist. And you've kept seeing that on the show. But you're also, you have the Catholic personality. And by the way, She's, can I just point out... <laughs> Laura's looking at me like... Well-regulated well, capitalism. Well, it's been regulated a long time since we've had that. I know, that. but that's exactly why our Well, I don't even awesome. think well-regulated capitalism is possible. If, if, like I said, the climactic issues are, bear any resemblance mm. to it. Like, that's gone. I'm sorry. It's not not going to work. It's going to be have to be massively regulated, and it's not capitalism anymore. Right. There's an interesting, by the way, I keep wanting to research this more. This is very interesting conservative movement now coming up that's Catholic, that's also Marxist. Like, <laughs> it's what a, is it called? I don't know. I have to find <laughs> out. But like, there's this weird fusion going on in the background, mm. and it does make sense in a way. Because the Catholic economy is different from the capitalist economy. It's medieval, and it's, you know, its roots are in medieval culture, and it's oh, just it's very it's a very, things, like it, yeah, it's a very different uh, viewpoint. Huh. But I'm just saying, I don't think capitalism is. I think it's. Listen, I just want to encourage the other side of you because <laughs> well, we, we spun out into capitalism over here. He's a community person. Mm. I'm community, yeah, for sure. Oh, you're all community. You know, you're why, why? Why is it? Why? Why is there a disassociation between community and capitalism, though? I just, think that capitalism is a dirty wasteful. word now, and yeah. I hate the fact that it's a dirty word. Why? Why? Like, what's your attachment to it? The, like, the idea that the, the idea that you can both you can both support a society. Okay, mm-hmm. you can support a society, but at the same time, if I'm putting in more work than another individual, I should be rewarded for that. Yeah, yes. but you you don't mean work; you mean capital. It like can the, be you're, you're like that's what it labor comes down or capital. Well regulated society. That, that's well regulated capitalism. We're we're not talking about. I'm talking about both of those, but we can't have the, if you if you really look at the the numbers of CEO pay it, and versus worker pay, it exponentially starts going up, and you can't have that. That's not a well regulated society. Okay. But I do believe that if you're the head of a a, a business that is prospering. You should get more than the the worker at the bottom. You want to hold There's on. There's not. Well, this is but this is somewhat reasonable. Ha, what about the reality in which this doesn't work and it spins violently out of control and you have a massive underclass of exploited people and, and a small, small, small group of like people who rule everything. Future well, that's the, the worst case, <laughs> the worst case scenario is that we talk into microphones in a studio that was built by the society. And this I'm just being not. cynical. <laughs> Do you know what the worst case scenario is? The worst Actually, case scenario is that we, that we all. Exploit this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this has been a fun show. I've really enjoyed yeah. having you on, Laura. We got to do capitalism next fun. time. Oh, yeah. definitely. I had some good stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am sad too. I just want to give the next show plenty of time. Now, Laura, what we do in this wonderful apocalyptical Father John Misty music <laughs> um, is we talk about what's can I come up for us either today, this weekend, or in the week. Do you have anything planned that's interesting? Oh, I want to go hiking and look at all the beautiful leaves. <laughs> I'm well, sure there's a podcast. let me <laughs> tell you about the experience that I can <laughs> I'm don't, just don't hoping you, nobody tries to curate my hike. Don't you, don't <laughs> you want a stranger to come with you on your hike? <laughs> that sounds fun. Brought to you by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean in Hadley now. Yeah, I saw that. Waylon, what about you? Uh, I'm going up to uh, my parents in the Berkshires, and my grandmother who passed away many years ago. Yeah. 
have a birthday for it. Cool. So, yeah, it's going to be cool. Community, not capitalism. Yeah. Okay. But we bought the cake at Big Y, everybody. Big Y. Okay. Also in Hadley. I don't want to get in trouble. Well, I am going to see the Royal Frog Ballet tonight. Oh, nice. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're awesome. excellent. And the kids Sweet. love it. And it's a great night for us. It's going to be nice and chilly and spooky out there. Now, listen, folks, we're so glad that you joined us. And our website is barbarianinthevalley.com. And we will be back next week. And no matter what happens to society, know that you have us as your friend. Have a great week. Bye-bye.